Hello and welcome to the Disclosure Podcast. I am your host, Ed. Thank you so much for tuning in today and I hope that you find this episode insightful. If you are new to the podcast, I have a catalogue of previous episodes and interviews discussing a broad range of different related topics surrounding veganism, morality, ethics, communication and the environment, as well as discussing current events. If you want more episodes of the podcast or if you just like to become a supporter of the work that I do, then you can sign up to my Patreon to get an exclusive patreon only Q&A episode every single month where I go through your questions. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, then it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes. Thank you so much again for tuning in. Hello everyone and welcome to the next episode of the Disclosure Podcast. I am your host Ed and I hope that you're all well and I hope that you've been well since I last uploaded a podcast and I hope that you're all looking after yourselves. In this week's episode, I thought it would be a good idea, I suppose, to cover the recent study that came out from the epic epic Oxford cohort that was talking about how vegans have a, what seems to be significantly higher risk of bone fractures, including total fractures and hip fractures, potentially most worrying of all. And so I thought I would talk about the study, some of the failings of the study, but I also thought it would be interesting to talk about the wider media bias. It was pretty obvious, I suppose, what was going on. Well, obvious to us vegans, what was going on last week when the study was published. I remember just being kind of shocked by the number of articles about this study. And if you haven't heard about the study, I'll give you a little rundown of what it was saying. But basically, there's a new study from the Epic Oxford team, which said that vegans, vegetarians and fish eaters all have a higher risk of bone fractures than meat eaters, with vegans faring the worst. There were a lot of uh, sensational headlines that came out because of this, and some of them you know, include things like, you know, vegans are 43% more likely to suffer bone fractures, study suggests. And it really, really went viral. And I was looking through the different Google pages just to see when it ended. And it was just pages and pages of the most random places. Like just, it wasn't even just national news. All these uh, small little regional news outlets were running the stories on it. It was just global. And I think it was on television. And yeah, it really obviously caught the eyes of, of the people, journalists, media, and of course, everyday consumers and citizens as well. And so it's a little bit tricky now because there's just this idea that exists now that if you're vegan, you must have weaker bones and there's a higher risk of fracture if you are vegan. And so what's interesting is the researchers behind this were the same researchers who last year published a report that said that meat eaters have a high risk of heart disease and vegans have a high risk of a certain type of stroke. Now that report as well, I think, was uh, slightly questionable in terms of its findings. But what was interesting about that report, and you, you may remember it, I certainly remember it, and I don't remember it because it said that meat eaters have a higher risk of heart disease. I remember it because it said that vegans have a higher risk of stroke. And I remember that that headline went viral again, even though the same piece of research was saying that vegans have a lower risk of heart disease. But that was ignored because I suppose it doesn't suit the narrative that you know the media likes to perpetuate and also the narrative that the everyday person wants to hear i mean who doesn't want to hear that the way they're living is healthier than the alternative especially when we're talking about the binary of vegan and, and meat eater it's every meat eater's dream to see that headline every meat eater who 
really cares about it. It's their dream to see that headline. One thing that's interesting, and I know that you know a number of other vegans and plant-based doctors have already remarked on this, is how uh, people like Joe Rogan or the carnivore community, people who are staunchly anti-vegan rather than who are just passive meat eaters, but people who are staunchly anti-vegan have shared this study as if it represents something solid and uh, foolproof. And yet they're the same people who criticize epidemiology all the time. They're the same people that will completely disregard that all the time. And yet this one study comes out that says, oh, well, vegans potentially have a high risk of bone fracture. And they just jump on it. Joe Rogan shares it. It's like, oh, this is interesting. It's like, funny enough, how you ignored every other piece of uh, scientific literature that's been released in the past few years that points to veganism being healthier. That's awfully suspicious, that Joe, isn't it? I wonder why, wonder why that is. Confirmation bias surely is a... Uh, an interesting phenomenon. Of course, we're guilty of it as well. And I think that's one thing I wanted to talk about in today's podcast. Obviously, we're going to go through the study itself. But I think, you know, it's frustrating, this kind of media bias. It's frustrating how people look for these things and will run with them so ardently. And I think as vegans, it really should to us just reaffirm what we already know, which is make sure you're eating healthy, make sure you're eating whole foods most of the time, lots of fruits and vegetables, make sure that you're taking a B12 supplement, make sure you're taking a vitamin D supplement, make sure you're eating fortified or drinking fortified plant milks, make sure you're getting enough calcium, make sure you're getting enough vitamin K, I guess the obvious stuff and... We'll go into why that's kind of more important as we look into the, the piece of research itself. But I think, you know, it is annoying for us. But if there's one take home from it, it's, well, in the future, they'll be doing studies on our generation, our veganism time, if you like, you know, what's happening now. And so it's important for us to be healthy, to eat well, to make sure we're looking after our bodies. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy junk food, of course, I'm not saying that, but it's important that we do embody um, veganism in a way that is long-term sustainable because that's what people look at and uh, people are so quick to pounce on anything that's particularly dodgy when it comes to vegan diets or plant-based diets that's what we're talking about plant-based diet not veganism of course veganism is is beyond the health we're talking about plant-based diet what's interesting is say with the miley cyrus thing that happened earlier this year she says oh I'm, you know, my brain wasn't feeling so good so i had to eat fish and everyone pounces on that as if it's a reason why veganism isn't good but what everyone ignores is all the people that are like oh i went vegan and i have more energy or i went vegan and i've stopped taking my medication because i don't need to oh i went vegan and you know my inflammation went down my allergies improved my arthritis improved so many people go vegan have these wonderful stories and they're ignored and they're viewed as anecdotal and of course they are anecdotal and anecdotal science on its own isn't credible enough but then when it comes to the other side as soon as someone stops being vegan that's it oh well Miley Cyrus decided she had to eat a bit of fish because her brain wasn't functioning properly and that therefore disproves the whole entirety of the scientific literature that has been released for years you know decades really about the benefits of eating plant-rich and wholly plant-based diets. It's frustrating for us, and this bone fracture study is no different. So the first thing I do want to mention, I, I think it's an important thing to mention. If you have seen my YouTube videos in the past, um, you'll know that I've often been you know, very quick to point to funding sources, point to um, inherent and obvious bias. Happened with the Sawyer study that I did a response to a few months ago when it came out. The study was, was funded by the Sustainable Food Trust and it said that drinking soy milk is worse for the environment than drinking cow's milk. And I was very quick to point out, well, actually, if you look at who's behind this study, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty skeptical, those conclusions. 
There was another study released last year that called into question the WHO's findings about processed meats and red meats being carcinogenic and also contributing towards heart disease. And I called that out because that study was funded by the beef checkoff industry and had ties to AgriLife, who promote beef products and cattle ranching and all these different very much uh, suspicious activities when you're funding science that promotes the activities that you yourself are benefiting and profiting from. So I think it's important to know that in this instance, there's no necessarily obvious bias in terms of funding sources. I know some vegans have pointed to this organization called Leap and the Wellcome Trust. And I think what's important to note with that is that they have also you know, been behind scientific literature that has been anti-animal farming. They've done a couple of environmental studies that haven't reflected particularly well on animal farming. And so I don't think it's necessarily obvious to say, oh, they've been funded by this organization. There's you know obvious bias there. That doesn't exist. Of course, there is personal biases. And, and I think that's an important thing to come on to when we look at how the data was derived. It points to something a little bit suspicious or just confusing, I think. But in terms of like a funding source, I don't think there's any malicious funding sources there. I think it's an important thing because one thing as vegans is we rightfully can be very quick to say, well, who was this funded by? Because historically there's been so much dodgy funding from the meat, dairy and egg lobbying and, you know, the industries themselves that have tried to sway scientific literature. And we know from history that climate change has also been susceptible to dodgy science funded by big oil and those that don't want people to live more sustainably. And of course, the cigarette and tobacco industry are notorious, or at least were until it became concrete, at least. So we know historically that these big industries that hold a lot of political influence and power will use that political influence, power and money to fund bogus science. And it's happened with animal agriculture industries before. And so it's right for us to be skeptical and to look into the funding sources. But it doesn't always mean that it's necessarily just as easy as that, because in this case, I don't necessarily believe that it is. So when we look at the actual study itself, so basically it's a cohort analysis. So they recruited, I think it was about 55,000 people between 1993 and 2000 or 2001. So we're talking 27 years ago, the first people were being recruited. And so they basically filled out a questionnaire, which was about their lifestyle, about their dietary habits, how they were living and eating. Out of the 55,000 people, less than 2,000 of them were vegan, which is not necessarily surprising for the mid 90s, is it? They followed the same group of people, 55,000 of them, from the time they enrolled in the study until 2010 was when they took the last or gave them the last questionnaire to fill out. And then they were assessing the NHS records of these people up until 2016. So everyone's in the UK. And so in 2016, that was when the NHS records went up to. And so what they do is when they want to look at different things related to diet and lifestyle, they'll dip into this cohort. They'll look at what the questionnaires were saying. They'll look at their medical records and then they will, you know, kind of come to conclusions such as the one with the bone fracture study. They went into the NHS records and saw who's had bone fracture what bone fractures were they? Okay, what did they fill out on their questionnaire? This person says they're vegan, so that means that vegans have this, and this person was a meat eater, and all these different things. And so that's kind of the situation that we're at in terms of what the study actually involved. So to kind of summarize, they found that compared to meat eaters, vegans had a higher risk fracture of equivalent to 20 more cases per 1,000 people over 10 years. Women were most effective, and this is not surprising, but particularly postmenopausal women with low physical activity and a low BMI body mass index, which is hardly surprising, of course. The thing that's important to mention straight off the bat is, of course, this isn't a meta-analysis. A meta-analysis is when you draw together all the different pieces of research that have been done on an area, and then you create a meta-analysis of what the information is showing and the science that's been kind of conducted within all these different studies. I think when we have just one study on its own, especially one that's based on information that's 
for some people started 27 years ago, you know, that doesn't create the best setup for the most concrete scientific proof or uh, findings. And so a meta-analysis would be much more conclusive and would help us. And this is particularly important because when it comes to veganism and bone health, there have been studies in the past that have pointed to vegans having pretty much similar bone mineral density and bone health to non-vegans, whether they're fish eaters, vegetarians, or indeed meat eaters. And so one such example of this is called Bone Nutrients for Vegetarians, which was published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition back in 2014. And they concluded by saying that plant-based diets can provide adequate amounts of key nutrients for bone health. Both vegetarian and vegan diets can have effects on bone mineral density and rates of osteoporosis similar to omnivorous diets. Despite some inconsistencies in research, it is possible to make dietary recommendations that will support bone health in vegetarians, specifically vegetarian diets. So they lump veganism with vegetarianism. Vegetarian diets should include the following, adequate calcium and vitamin D. These nutrients can come from foods and also from fortification and supplements if necessary, adequate protein from a variety of sources, generous amounts of fruits and vegetables, and a regular reliable source of vitamin B12. Just the stuff that we know. If you do the stuff that we know we're supposed to be doing, then there is no problem, basically, is what they're saying. And I think this is important because we know this stuff now, but back in the the 90s, and noughties, this stuff wasn't as prevalent. I mean, how many vegans back in 1993 were supplementing B12 and supplementing vitamin D? And we're aware of all these things, not that many, and we'll come on to that actually as we progress. There's also another cohort study that was conducted in China called Adherence to a Vegetable Fruit Soy Dietary Pattern or the Alternative Healthy Eating Index is Associated with Lower Hip Fracture. This was published in the Journal of Nutrition back in 2014, And it looked at over 63,000 men and women, and it concluded by stating, in the present study, we examined the relation between overall dietary pattern and hip fracture risk in a large prospective cohort in an Asian population. We observed an inverse association with a diet characterized by higher intakes of vegetables, fruit, and soy foods in both men and women. Additionally, a diet with great adherence to healthy food choices for prevention of chronic disease also reduced risk of hip fracture in both genders. Factors such as age, gender, BMI, level of education, physical activity, or history of diabetes and stroke did not modify the effect of diet on hip fracture risk. And so in another cohort study similar to the Epic Oxford one, it was actually revealed that those who consumed more fruits, vegetables, and soy had a lower risk. And so this is why a meta-analysis is important because it will pull together all these different pieces of research. And of course, there's plenty more and it will create conclusions based on what the body of evidence is showing rather than one particular study that runs the risk of having sensational attributes to it. One thing that's important to know about the Epic Oxford study that we're talking about is they didn't know the causes of the bone fractures. They didn't know why they happened, but vegans performed 15% more moderate or high physical activity according to their data. And of course, having higher physical activity potentially creates a risk of more bone fractures if you're doing things that put you in a situation where you may fall and break your wrist or break your ankle, fall on your hip, whatever it might be. Because you're performing or you're putting yourself in a situation where you're doing activities, you're increasing your risk of having something like that happen. Let's say, you know, people who skate probably suffer from higher wrist fractures than people who work in an office. It's not because skaters are unhealthy, it's just because they're in a situation where they're much more likely to break their wrists than someone who works 
in an office. So again, 15% isn't necessarily going to be the difference in the 43% figure that the study came up with, but it shows that there are different you know, discrepancies that need to be considered there. And if we don't know if people have had bone fractures because they've been in a car crash or fallen down the stairs or because they have low calcium and their bones are weak because they're vegan, we can't differentiate between that because the study itself has those limitations where we don't know why it is that people have broken their bones and so that doesn't necessarily help but of course it works both ways because there'll be plenty of meat eaters who are probably included as a broken bone but they too themselves broke their bone because of something accidental whether it was a trauma an accident something that had nothing to do with their diet and the way that they were eating one thing that is really notable and I know Dr. Garth Davies and I think others have picked up on this as well, is that on average, the vegans are only consuming about 20 grams of fiber a day, which is extraordinarily low. For example, if you have 100 grams of oats, that's how I start my breakfast, or I start my day with a breakfast of 100 grams of oats and other stuff on top. Well, 100 grams of oats has 10 grams of fiber in straight away. So half of what these vegans were consuming in terms of dietary fiber intake comes from just 100 grams of oats. And so that doesn't really make sense because if you're eating a whole foods, plant-based, healthy diet, you're definitely going to smash in more than 20 grams of dietary fiber every day. So it's a little bit confusing. And you think, well, what were these people consuming if they were getting such little fiber into their diets? And we don't know. All we know is they were vegan and we know that they weren't getting that much fiber, but in terms of how healthy or unhealthy they're eating, well, we don't have that information. But the 20 grams of fiber thing points to them not being particularly healthy vegans and not eating whole foods plant-based. And I guess and one of the reasons why this could be probably is because back then people's motivations for going vegan were more animal rights focused. We didn't know much about the health. It was before veganism became kind of a health conscious thing as well, before people were becoming plant-based for kind of health reasons and you know before Instagram before that celebrity influence if you like so back then I think people who were vegan were doing it because they had been leafleted they'd met an outreach table in a city where they live they were aware of especially in the UK of the hunt sabs they were aware of the anti-vivisection organizations the anti-live export organizations and so I think a lot of the vegans who were going vegan back then this is obviously not necessarily proven in, in in any data that I have, but from the experience I have of the vegan scene, it seems much more likely to think that people who are going vegan back there were doing so for moral reasons, whereas now, of course, we know a lot more, and there's a lot more people who are plant-based for health reasons. I don't think that was such a movement back in the 90s, probably even into the noughties as well. So I think what you have is a bunch of people who are vegan, but they don't know how to be a healthy vegan. They're not consuming fortified plant milks. They're probably having to shop in organic shops, and so organic plant milks aren't allowed to be fortified with nutrients. And so they might be drinking soy milk. It could be powdered soy milk because that was a big thing back before we had uh, the abundance of plant milks we do now. You're not going to be getting the fortification from the calcium. You're not going to get the vitamin D because another important consideration is when people are consuming cow's milk, well, cow's milk has been fortified with vitamin D for decades. Plant-based milk widely has not. So people who were consuming cow's milk back in the 90s were getting vitamin D from their cow's milk, but people who were going vegan and drinking plant-based milk alternatives probably weren't getting vitamin D from the plant milks, or maybe even calcium from some of the plant milks. And then if they weren't supplementing vitamin D, then that's going to have a huge problem. I mean, it, it just is, but people weren't aware of it. And so if they'd gone vegan for ethical considerations, but they didn't know how to do it as healthy as they should, then of course that's going to have a knock-on effect down the line. And so that's one thing to consider. And I think the 20 grams of fiber somewhat points to that being potentially an element of uh, the reason why this 
maybe came out the way that it did in terms of the findings. Another thing that's interesting is the BMI. Overall in the study groups, vegans had a lower BMI, sometimes too low to be fair. And in fact, the higher fracture risk in vegans was only significant in those with a low BMI. Vegans who had a BMI of 22.5 or higher had practically the same risk of fractures when it comes to hip fractures, especially if you have a bit of extra weight that provides a cushion. So if you have a low BMI and you fall on your hip, then you're much more likely to break it than if you have a higher BMI and you have a little bit of extra weight, a little bit of extra cushioning. So you lower your risk of certain fractures. Obviously, you increase the risk of fractures in, say, your ankles, the heavier you become. But actually having a high BMI, 22.5 or, or, or above that, will actually be beneficial in terms of protecting your hips and protecting a lot of your body from the risk of fractures. And so it's interesting how when you had vegans with a BMI of 22.5 or higher, statistically, it was relatively insignificant in terms of the discrepancies between meat eaters, vegetarians, fish eaters, and vegans. And so it points to there being an issue mainly with having the lower BMI. And now another thing to consider as well is that also the higher BMI you have, the more estrogen you will have, which will help your bones as well, which is why hormone replacement therapy is good for postmenopausal women. So remember I said towards the beginning that the most at-risk group were uh, vegan women who were postmenopausal and who had low BMI. Postmenopausal women are much more prone to osteoporosis and, and broken bones because they don't have the same estrogen levels in their body, so their bones become weaker. If they have a lower BMI, they have less padding and less cushioning to protect them if they do fall or do hurt themselves. And also the hormone replacement therapy is important because differences in terms of HRT were really significant between the vegans and the meat eaters. I think meat eaters were some like three or four times more likely to be taking hormone replacement therapy compared to the vegans. And hormone replacement therapy is really good at reducing risk of fractures in postmenopausal women because it's a hormone replacement therapy, estrogen. So with the vegans who are postmenopausal, they have lower BMI and so they have lower estrogen in general, so weaker bones, less cushioning. And so that kind of makes sense in many ways why that would be the case. This becomes even more important because about 80% of the participants were female. And the results showed that for men, the difference in total fractures was not statistically significant. And so straight away, what we have is if you're a man, a vegan man, the difference in bone fracture risk was not statistically significant. And if you had a BMI above 22.5, it was not statistically significant. And so we start to see that actually the full story's not being reported on because when I first saw those headlines, I thought, my goodness, it's just vegans in general. But actually we're bringing it down to kind of a more specific group of vegans. And so if you're a man or your BMI is 22.5, even this study of all its limitations and failings suggests that you have nothing to worry about. Of course, you want to make sure you're still eating healthy and getting all the nutrients that you need to be bone healthy and healthy in general. But actually, this study is talking about a very specific group of people with differences in their lifestyles and differences in the way that they eat, which could be easily changed and would hopefully therefore reduce the risk significantly. Now, they didn't explain how they factored in different variations. Obviously, I've mentioned the BMI. I've mentioned different things like the hormone replacement therapy. But the researchers said they factored in these different things. And so they actually did try and account for these different variations. But the problem is they didn't explain how they factored in for these different variations. They didn't provide the methodology, which is kind of strange and 
not very transparent. I'm not saying there's anything necessarily suspicious going on, but the fact that they didn't actually provide the methodology will actually make it harder to analyze the results because different methods of, you know, working out variations will create different results. And so if they provided the methodology for how they did it, then it would make it much easier to analyze and try and work out, well, why has this study pointed to these findings? But they didn't provide that, which is a little bit strange. And it gets a little bit stranger and more confusing, therefore, because in 2007, a study done by the Epic Oxford cohort called Comparative Fracture Risk in Vegetarians and Non-Vegetarians in Epic Oxford, concluded by stating that the study found that vegans had a higher risk of fractures than did other vegetarians or non-vegetarians. However, when only vegans with calcium intake above the UK estimated average requirements for calcium were included in the analysis, there was no difference between any of the groups in terms of fracture incidence. And so a report from 13 years ago by Epic Oxford, the same researchers, found that when they only included vegans who were getting above the average recommended calcium intake, there was actually no difference. And so now we're finding out, well, when you factor in calcium into this, they're saying this time there's still a higher risk. Well, why is it different in that sense? It's a little bit confusing. Now, one thing they didn't factor in for, and this is strange, is vitamin D. So they said they factored in for calcium, for protein, for HRT, for BMI, for different things like that, but they didn't factor in for vitamin D. They didn't mention vitamin D in their findings. They actually said it was a, a, a limitation that they didn't. Now, this is a big problem, obviously, because vitamin D is essential for bone health. One thing that was interesting about the vegan group is they had very low supplementation. In fact, only a half of the vegans were supplementing anything at all, let alone vitamin D. And so we know that everyone in the UK should be supplementing vitamin D, vegan, fish eater, vegetarian, you know, land animal eater, whatever dietary habit or lifestyle you have, you should be supplementing vitamin D. And so for only half the vegans to be supplementing anything is pretty strange. And you would imagine that if only half of them are supplementing anything, well, the numbers of them that are supplementing vitamin D is probably very low, considering it's still hard to get everyone to supplement vitamin D 27 years later. So it is a little bit strange that they didn't factor it in. And I think the fact that vegans, the vast majority of them in this study, weren't supplementing vitamin D suggests that that could potentially be a relatively significant reason. And it, it could technically be the difference. Like I said before, obviously, if you're drinking milk, you're getting vitamin D through the fortification in the milk. And even if you weren't taking a supplement, you'd still be getting vitamin D from your diet. If vegans aren't consuming fortified plant milks with vitamin D, then we're not going to be getting vitamin D. And so it's really important that we supplement. Obviously, we get it from the sun, but I'm talking about the rest of the year, which is a lot of the year in the UK where there isn't that much sun to get your vitamin D from. This is important because they did say they factored in calcium and protein. And when they did factor in calcium and protein, the risk was lower. I think it went from 43% higher risk if you're a vegan to 30% higher risk. So there is still a risk, but that also means there's something else at play. And it's not necessarily that vegans won't get enough calcium and protein. So the question becomes, well, why didn't they factor in vitamin D into the study? Why wouldn't they do that? Vitamin D is essential for bone health. That's pretty obvious. So why wouldn't that in a study about bone health be one of the things that you were looking at and one of the things you were analyzing within the people you're studying? It, it seems to me that there's only two options. And firstly, maybe they didn't have the data available, but if not, well, why not? 
you know, if you're going to be making or coming to conclusions and creating pieces of research that are published all over the world in the press about bone health, you'd think you would have at least covered the key nutrients for bone health. I guess that's a little bit strange. The other thing, if they did have that data, is, well, why didn't they include it? Perhaps there's an inherent bias. Perhaps they wanted to draw media attention to themselves and their work, and creating a sensational headline could achieve this. I mean, let's say the difference in the bone fractures is just that vegans needed to supplement vitamin D. And so if the vegans were all supplementing vitamin D and had the same vitamin D levels as all the other people, then they had the same risk of bone fracture. Well, that's not really a sensational headline because the headline would just be supplementing vitamin D to get recommended amounts cuts fracture risk. You know, that's hardly a groundbreaking sensational story and wouldn't necessarily get their work published. But if it is, vegans have a higher risk by 43% of bone fractures. Well, that's a newsworthy story all around the globe. And so I don't know the answer to this, and it's complete speculation, but either they didn't include it because they didn't have it, which is strange, and well, why are you releasing information when you're missing out really important parts of that? Or secondly, they did have that information, and they purposely didn't want to include it because maybe by including it, it didn't create the hype around their research. And of course, researchers want their work to be noticed, they want their work to be shown. I mean, it's understandable, they spend time doing this. And so to them, there's probably some element of this will get us in the news, this will get us quoted, this will get the epic Oxford cohort studies referenced all around the world and draw attention to us and draw people's eyes to us. And maybe that was an element. Again, it's speculation, of course, you can't say for sure either way, but the omission of vitamin D to me is strange. And presumably, it could make all the difference in a study about bone health. Another thing that's important to consider is that previous analyses of UK people, which also included the same cohort, which was used for the bone fracture study, showed that vegans have a lower risk of dying before the age of 75 compared to meat eaters. So another idea why it could be higher is that maybe the vegans were living longer and so were having fractures later. I mean, one thing that'd be interesting is to see the percentage of fractures post-75 and pre-75. Again, I don't think any of these things on their own are enough to account for the difference, apart from maybe the vitamin D emission. But these other smaller things might account for a, you know, an increased risk here and there. And I think that the fact that vegans live longer than 75, A, it points to the fact that even if this study was completely concrete, you would still be better off being vegan to live beyond 75. But by the fact that vegans live longer, it would suggest the longer you're alive, the more risk you have of fracturing a bone, especially as you're getting older and older. And if you have a higher chance of living past 75, that comes with an increased risk of presumably a bone fracture because you're growing older than 75. Some experts point out that vegans' bone risk may be related to avoiding dairy products, which is often associated with bone health. But interestingly, the incidence of hip fracture, um, which is obviously the most serious aspects of osteoporosis, is highest in Sweden and North America. When you look at it all around the world, the incidence rates and dairy intake is, of course, very prominent in both Sweden and North America. And hip fracture rates are lowest in Asia, where people's dairy intake is lower and their soy intake is higher. And there's an idea that consuming soy, because it has those phytoestrogen properties, is actually good for your bones. It actually helps your bones, which takes us back to that Chinese cohort study where they said that fruits, vegetables, and soy decrease the risk of hip fractures. Well, that kind of maybe correlates a little bit with this osteoporosis finding because the soy with the phytoestrogen could strengthen one's bones. Another thing that Mike the Vegan pointed out is that one thing that was interesting in the study 
is it said that when it came to meat eaters and, and vegans, 70% of meat eaters had had a child, whilst only around 35% of vegans had. So there's a big difference there. Why that's significant is there's studies that have shown that women who have breastfed have a 50% reduced risk of hip fractures. So potentially another reason why vegans had significantly higher risk of hip fracture could be related to the fact that significantly more non-vegans had breastfed, which we know reduces the risk of hip fractures in your life. And so that could potentially be a reason. I think ultimately the problem with the study is that it gives the impression that veganism is unhealthy when the problem isn't the diet, it's the way that people do it. You know, if you're a vegan and you have low vitamin D levels, for example, it's not the veganism that that's at fault, it's the fact that you have low vitamin D levels. That's where the problems come from. And so all these little issues that we have where, oh, veganism's this and veganism's that, well, is often easily solved by making slight adjustments. The thing about eating bacon and, and animal products is, well, you can't adjust for the fact that these foods are inherently bad for you. Of course, you can you know, minimize consumption and you may not get colon cancer and heart disease from consuming them, but they're not objectively good for you and you can't bypass that. But with veganism, if the issue is, oh, well, vitamin D levels are lower in vegans, which you know we've seen before in previous studies, then the, the solution is just to supplement vitamin D. The solution isn't to go, oh, well, let's continue consuming animal products and then increase our risk of dying before the age of 75 um, of having heart disease, you know, certain forms of cancer and all the other chronic illnesses that have been tied to the consumption of animal products. It doesn't make sense to say supplement vitamin D or increase my risk of all of these health problems and complications that kill people that don't just result in broken bones here and there. So even if we take everything that's on face value in the study, it doesn't point to veganism being inherently unhealthy. And even if the problem wasn't that people weren't getting the right nutrients and the problem was just that veganism will increase your risk, you would still be better off being vegan anyway because you reduce your risk of things that are significantly worse. I just think of all the things that, you know, people are kind of, you know, jumping up and down about now when it comes to veganism. Having 20 more hip fractures in a thousand people over a 10-year period is hardly going to be the thing that destroys veganism, right? Like the idea that all of a sudden a plant-based diet and veganism is now done for and that's it, people aren't going to change anymore because of this seems very, very, very strange to me. And yet a lot of meat eaters have made this claim, a lot of carnivores and staunch anti-vegans have kind of said this is the nail in the, the coffin for veganism, but how is it? Because if this is the worst thing and we already know that there's so many elements of this that have been ignored, you know, it's it's data that's 27 years old up until 2010, so started 27 years ago, it's all data from questionnaires where people, you know, maybe changed their diet, maybe, you know, they didn't, you know, fill it incorrectly. Obviously, there's that period from 2010 to 2016, however many of people were still vegan, did some of the meat eaters go vegan, we don't know. So the actual methodology is not particularly concrete. It's all data compared to what we know now about how to be a healthy vegan. And I guess also at the end of the day, it didn't factor in all these things and had many, many limitations. So what we should take from this, I guess, is there's a huge amount of media bias. That's nothing new, but it is alarming to see how quickly the press and how hungry they are to disseminate something that is so that is so not conclusive and has so many holes within it that are ignored and not addressed properly. If you had all these vegans supplementing correctly, making sure they're having enough vitamin D, calcium, protein, vitamin K, who do, were doing weight-bearing exercises, so strength training and working out. If they're postmenopausal, they are making sure they're consuming a significant 
you know, amounts of, of calcium and such. Soy products for the phytoestrogen, if they had a good BMI and went low on the BMI and were taking hormone replacement therapy, then you could pretty much imagine that any risk would be minimized to the point of being just the same as if you were eating any type of food. But the problem is these limitations weren't factored in for correctly. And of course, we didn't have a broad enough range of people to assess. When you've got 55,000 people, but less than 2,000 are vegan, it doesn't create the most genuine of results. And of course, it's going to be hard to find comparable numbers of each dietary demographic, particularly in the 90s when veganism wasn't the thing that it is today. But that being said, that does provide inherent limitations and those limitations are significant. So I think at the end of the day, we shouldn't be too concerned about this as vegans. There's nothing there to be particularly worried about, but use it as a reason to be 100% certain that you're eating healthy for yourself and so you can be a a beacon you can you know be a role model for how healthy veganism is ultimately i think just be aware of where you've got nutrients if you're not then do a couple of weeks of tracking on the site chronometer so you can track all your food and make sure you're getting all your nutrients make sure you're consuming fortified plant milks and also make sure that you're taking a b12 supplement a vitamin d supplement especially and i would also chuck in a omega-3 supplement a, a dha epa supplement as well just to be extra careful that you're getting everything that you need and then stick to mainly whole foods. And I think that's kind of the take home from this is media bias is a scary thing. Anti-vegan people are super annoyed and hypocritical. The study is not conclusive and has many problems within it. But at the same time, we should use the study to make sure that we are being extra healthy because we don't want to get into a point where, you know, we've not looked after ourselves properly and we do have health complications at any point. So use information like this to fuel yourself to make sure that you're eating correctly. And I think that's really where we'll end it. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I'm sorry that this has happened. It's such an annoying and frustrating thing. I woke up, saw the study and was like, oh, here we go again. The circus has begun, just like it does every time there's something similar to this. And for every piece of research that comes out that says that veganism is healthier, the media are awfully silent about it. And there's a, a lot of tumbleweed that goes past in the uh, the offices of the mainstream media, it seems, when there's a study that comes out that says veganism is healthy. But when there is a study that comes out with all these limitations, it doesn't matter because the sensational headline is there and the media will run with that because it generates huge amounts of clicks and for everyone who isn't vegan it's a wonderful thing to read because it reaffirms to you that the way you're living is the right way to live when of course we know that morally environmentally and even from a health perspective it is not all right guys thank you so much for listening i hope you've enjoyed it i hope you've learned something from it i hope it's a useful resource for you if, for anyone who's uh, been trying to quiz you about the study and is trying to say haha here we go i knew that you were going to be crippled and have major broken bones and not be able to support your weak frame um, send them this podcast because hopefully it's a useful way of rebutting some of this information and ultimately there's quite a few good videos out there from vegans now so have a little look on youtube as well for some other deconstructions of the study but thank you so much for listening i very very much appreciate it please stay safe please look after yourselves have a wonderful rest of your day and i'll speak to you all very soon <laughs>